Hey, this morning, I want to do something that's so much fun. Gabby? Where's Gabby? Is she back there somewhere? Gabby, you want to come up for a moment, sweetheart? Robert, do you and Megan want to come too? Gabby is amazing. This morning I found out that Gabby really wants to commit her life to Jesus. So Gabby, what's stirring in your heart, young lady? (laughs) It's okay. She didn't know she was coming up, so she might be a little nervous. That's so good, Dad. Amen. Um, what God put in my heart is that, like, that He just like is always is so good to you, and we just have to be really good back to Him. And because he is such a good God and he is really, like, kind and thoughtful. That's so good, Gabby. So good. So, Gabby, I want to pray for you. <clears throat> and I want to pray for mom and dad, too, okay? Could I, could I get some leaders up here, some of the elders? Come on up for a moment. This is so good. Gabby, why don't you come right here? When a young person falls in love with Jesus, my heart is so stoked. Oh, I cannot tell you how stoked my heart is. When we see children here fall in love with Jesus, and then we hear, you know, we've been here 30-some years in school, uh, in, in, in school, in Christian school education, and we've watched children leave and fall in love with Jesus while they're here, leave and go out and do incredible things for God. That's powerful. It excites my heart. Amen. So let's stand. So, Father, we are so grateful for Gabby's heart. Father, she is the future. She is the church, the ecclesia of tomorrow, God. Father, we pray that she would continue to fall in love with the things that you love, God. And, Father, I know you love people. You love people with all of your heart, God. Wow. So, Father, I pray that Gabby would find ways to serve and to love people as you love them, God. Father, we also pray that you would build a wall on her right a wall on her left and behind her so high that none of the enemy's darts could touch her, God. Father, we speak and we say to the enemy, this one's for the kingdom. So we cancel any plans of the enemy right now in the name of Jesus. Yes. We say yes and amen to that. Thank you, God. Father, I pray that you would awaken her spirit in the night and you would fill her heart with visions and dreams and plans and strategies for the future, God. Mm. Thank you, God. 
Father, I pray that you would use her to usher in new creative ways of, of representing you to the world, God. Thank you, God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Mm. And Father, I pray for Robert and Megan, God, for their entire family, God, that you would give them all the tools that they need to raise their children in the way that they should go, and that is you, Father. I pray, God, that you would open up the heavens, you would provide provisions and resources spiritually, physically, even financially, Lord, to help uh, their family just move forward in advancing your kingdom, God. Wow. I pray that you would fill their home with laughter. You would fill their home with your spirit. Oh, you would fill their home with your presence in such a way that when people come and people go, they will know that something's different about this family, and it's you, God. Thank you, Lord. We just ask that you'd pour it out, Father. Pour it out. Mm. Yes. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Woohoo! <clears throat> you got it, brother. Well, hey, that's church. Let's go home. This morning, I want to speak to those of us that are directionally challenged. But before I go there this morning, I want to tell you that next Sunday, let all your friends know, we're going to have Bill Vanderbush from Faith Mountain Ministries here speaking. I don't know if you guys know who uh, Bill is, but he's the author of Reckless Grace. It's a powerful book. Dale, remember Dale Alter and his, the group that came up out of Bethel from the ministry team that came up here? He's a great friend of Dale's. Dale had an opportunity. Dale called me and said, can we bring him next Sunday up? And I said, let me think about it. Okay. <laughs> so he is an incredible revelatory speaker. He's humble. He's gentle. He's kind. He has this incredible passion to push you farther into the kingdom. Okay. And see you empowered to do the things that God has called you to do. Okay, so next week, hopefully, everything works out and Bill will be here, and I'm excited about that. So, let your friends know. But this morning, I want to speak to those that are directionally challenged. How many of you, well, I shouldn't, because this could be trick questions, so I'll be careful how I word it. How many of us, you don't answer this, please. How many of you have grown up not, or know someone, that sounds better, who has a hard time with knowing their left from their right? Roy, Roy, you can put your hand down. <laughs> or, or, or you say, you say, hey, they say, where does so-and-so live at? And you go, just down the road, go north, go south, go eat, what? And, and they're like, what? Here, let me draw you a map. That doesn't even work. I can't figure out which way north on the map is. You know what I'm saying? They're directionally challenged. I want to help you by helping you develop a heavenly mindset. Because we are living in a moment when we need to be so focused on heaven because if we're not, we will lose our way. Amen? It's true. 
First of all, I want to give a quick definition of mindset. Your mindset is really your beliefs that shape how you make sense of the world and yourself. And a lot of that has to do with the things that were spoken and said over you as you grew up in your life. It's like if you grew up hearing, you're worthless, you're worthless, you're worthless, you'll probably grow up with a mindset that says you're worthless. And then the real struggle comes when you come to Christ and you hear words like, no, you're not worthless. You're a mighty man of valor. You're a virtuous woman of God. And your, your soul starts struggling with, oh, which is it? My father or my mother who I could see my, with my own eyes my whole life told me I was this. And now something I cannot see is telling me I'm that? Which is it? So our mindset influences how we think and feel and behave in any given situation. There's typically, there's typically two types of mindsets. One is a fixed mindset. The other is a growth mindset. Okay, This isn't all inclusive. This isn't all in one little box. But generally speaking, there is a fixed mindset and then there is a growth mindset. A fixed mindset simply says something like, either I'm good at it or I'm not. Done. I've counted to three. Done. We don't do it that way. Done. I've never done it that way. I've never seen it done that way, so it can't be done that way. Done. That is a fixed mindset. Whereas a growth mindset comes along and says, I can do anything I want because in Christ I can be all things. Amen? Amen. And we struggle with that. Or, or I am constantly growing and working uh, or, or I am constantly growing at working at maturing in Christ because as I read the word and, and I start growing spiritually and physically and mentally in God, oh my goodness, there's so much growth and potential instead of being locked in a place in time. There are people who say things like, that's, who, that's just who I am. I cannot change. That's baloney. Can I say baloney in church? That's baloney. The word says you're more than a conqueror. You're more than just an overcome. God has placed in you the ability to be and to do incredibly great things. But all of this comes down to which direction are you looking at or looking towards to receive the information and what are you believing? Turn with me to Colossians 3, 1 through 4, real quick. It says, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on the things above. Remember that. Set your hearts on the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. Now, above is up there, right? Above is, above, is over us. Above is you look up to see something above you. And he says, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also will appear with him in glory. So the key to beginning this journey is developing a healthy mindset, you have to understand, begins with setting our hearts and our minds on the things that are above. How often throughout the day are you, all, are you looking towards the things above? Or are you dealing with the things that you see on this natural plane in front of you on this earthly plane? Where is most of your focus spent at? I'm, only you can answer that. I'm not here to judge that. I'm just saying that take a look at that. 
It has been said that it is possible to be, here's the quote, so heavenly minded that we're of no earthly good. Is that true? What? Below, hey, that's good. She said it, no, no. Yes, that's not true. Now, now I'll be honest, I have, I have met some Christians that are so earthly minded that they're of little heavenly good. Amen? God is looking for people that are looking back at him. That's what God's looking for. However, you know, when you, when you take a journey through church history, you will see that it was those who were the most heavenly minded who did the most heavenly good. Amen? I mean, historically. I mean, listen, listen to what Jesus says in Matthew eleven twelve. 12. He says this, from the days of John the Baptist until now. The kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. So the people, the, what's, what's here is this imagery of the people who are forcefully grabbing hold of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. They're the ones who are advancing it. Although they're still here on the earth, they have a heavenly mindset because they're grabbing hold of something that's bigger than them and they're pushing and moving it forward. Having a heavenly mindset in this moment in time is vitally important, not only for the kingdom of God and advancing the kingdom of God, but in our lives as well here on earth. Amen? It gives us handles to hang on to. When we lock into God's gaze, no matter what's going on around us, we have handles that we can hang on to. In fact, it probably comes with a, a safety harness too. Amen? It keeps you from being flown off into this storm. All throughout history, I wrote... Committed, heavenly-minded believers have always tackled the social, environmental, and political problems of their day. True? It is true. And, and some of the most impactful people in history have been the believers who had that kind of faith because they were heavenly-minded that moved them to incredible action. In spite of the circumstances, in spite of the odds, they pushed through. They were not going to give up. Man, they pushed and dug and got their heels in good and leaned into it with all of their heart, knowing that God is the one that was leading them and guiding them and giving them the strength and the grace and the courage to do what he called them to do. We read of, uh, 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 actually, I wrote here, an, uh, remember C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity? How many read the book? Well, there's a statement in there. It says, if you read history, you will find that Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought the most of the next. Wow. Are you thinking just about here and now? Are you thinking about the next? My wife and I are in this moment where we have family members that are struggling with end of life stuff. And yesterday we spent time with her uncle who he fell, he got broken up really bad. He's 92, 93 years old. He's the sweetest, most amazing guy, sharp as a tack. Unfortunately, he's in a place now where we don't know unless God supernaturally intervenes if he's coming out. So we're dealing face-to-face. -face. I'm talking face-to-face -face with eternity. That's a real deal, my friends. In a heartbeat, any one of us will be standing in the presence of God. 
God is looking for people that are heavenly minded. And what C.S. Lewis is saying is, is those that made the best and the most powerful difference in the world today, made the most impact, were those who were thinking of the next world. Because that's what moved them on. Man, historically, here at school and history and stuff, I love history of the world and I love history of the early church. We read of people like devoted Christians like Captain John Newton and William Wilberforce. These guys worked tirelessly when they came to Christ and had this turnaround moment. They had this, this, this epiphany in them that we're going to change this with all of our hearts. And they worked tirelessly to abolish the slave trade in England. They were heavily involved in it, and then they had this huge encounter with Christ, and all of a sudden, like Paul on the road to Damascus, changed their paradigm. They said, this is wrong. We're going to do something right about it, and they gave their entire lives to making it right to the best of their ability. We have Christians like Amy Carmichael. Amy Carmichael? Yeah. Yeah. You have George, uh, someone like George Mahler. You have Robert Rikus. These people rescued People, uh, children who were in all kinds of peril, they founded orphanages, and Robert Rikus, he established the first Sunday school. These were all believers who were heavenly minded. They worked tirelessly to make something happen for the kingdom of God. History, my friends, is full of Christians who positively have impacted the world. Their motivation wasn't simply some need for like social reform. Rather, they were, compelled to what they, they, were, they were compelled to do what they did by their strong faith in Jesus and their heavenly focus. These people were the very ones that had their hearts and their minds set on the things above. Amen? You know, it's a fact. If you look it out, check it out. It's a fact that believers that are heavenly minded are the ones who lead the way in helping others. They are the ones that work tirelessly at, at spreading the life-changing truth of the gospel of the kingdom. There are people in here for, for many years, Steve Shaw and others have talked about the kingdom of God. And it's so exciting when you talk about something long enough, you hear the echo coming back. One of the biggest advocates for the kingdom in here that, that speaks up here is Max Rushmeyer. Big advocate of the kingdom of God. He is so focused on the things of the kingdom. It's amazing. So the Bible really says and insists that Christians need to be focused on heavenly things, not earthly things. Quickly, turn to 2 Corinthians 4.18. 2 Corinthians Paul is telling the Corinthians, he's saying, hey, look, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Wow. We are to fix our eyes on something we cannot see. That's a challenge. But that's what Paul's saying. There's a reward in that. When we have our eyes set on heaven, we are gaining this incredible eternal perspective and we become of some tremendous, great earthly good. We're bringing heaven to earth. We're focused on heaven. God is downloading his perspectives into our heart and that's where we begin to make the most impact on the world around us. 
you know, we have to understand that our faith not only impacts our own lives, but as we live this stuff out and we stay focused on heaven and heavenly things, wow, it impacts so many people around us. And I know some of you, I've watched your lives, you have a huge circle of impact in and on and around your life. Keep up the good work. Keep looking into heaven for that perspective of how you can relate that to here. Amen? Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, read this many times, it's a powerful verse. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, think of that for a moment. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Think about that for a moment. Looking down, watching us, cheering us on. Let us throw off everything that hinders, hinders and the sin that so easy, easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Where are we looking in the race? Jesus. Jesus. And where is Jesus at? He's seated at the right hand of God, right? So we're to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and perfecter of faith for the joy set before him. That was us. Clyde alluded to that this morning. We were the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Man, one of the critical things here is to focus on is when you're in a race, don't worry about what other people are doing. Don't worry about it. Stay in your own lane. Think about what you're doing. Keep your eye on Jesus. Amen? So how do we develop a healthy mindset? How do we put some handles on this? When Paul said to the Colossians, when he said, so set your hearts on the things above, what he's primarily referring to is things of the kingdom. Are you kingdom-minded? Are you thinking about the kingdom of God? Are you thinking about the attributes of the kingdom of God? Are you thinking of ways that you can be and walk in godly ways that advance the kingdom of God? Are those things on your heart? In the Lord's Prayer, in Matthew uh, 6, 9, and 10, I believe, uh, we're taught to be consumed with God's name being hallowed. We are to be consumed with God's name being holy. God's name being honored above all other names in the universe. Amen? The other thing is we're to be focused on his kingdom and that his will being done here on earth. Right? That's why you hear us pray sometimes. Father, we just pray that your kingdom would come. Father, we pray for this brother or that sister. Father, whatever's going on in their body, we ask that you would align every cell in their body with your kingdom. Father, we're asking as it is in heaven, let it be here on earth flowing through them right? That's the way we should be navigating, watching Jesus doing what he did. Father, let your kingdom come into this situation. Father, this marriage is on the rocks. Father, would your kingdom come and explode into this marriage in a powerful way? Mm. In heaven, there is no sickness. In heaven, there's no cancer. There's no brokenness. There's no woundedness. There's nothing but incredible life. That's what we're asking to come here on earth. In the scriptures, we're also reminded that those who practice heavenly thinking receive tremendous blessings. Look at Isaiah 26.3. If you want to turn there really quick, you can. It says, 
You will keep in perfect peace whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. This can also be translated, guys, you will keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. So, so, so the person whose thoughts are consumed with God and his kingdom will have perfect peace. They're not the ones who will walk around with incredible anxiety and worry. How many of us want perfect peace? The word's really clear. It says, hey, keep mm, your mind stayed on heavenly things. And you will walk in perfect peace. Anxiety and worry will fall away. How many have experienced that? You're struggling with something in front of you, and I know that life can be overwhelming. It's like coming at us like a freight train sometimes. And, and we just go, oh. we see the train, and we either freak out, take our football, and run home, or we simply go, no, I'm looking above. I'm looking up to the Father. Oh, this peace begins to flow upon my heart. Because all of a sudden, his presence is there, and I have this encounter with it. And it gives me the ability to see that what I'm looking at is really nothing when I keep my eyes there. It will show me how to navigate, step aside, whatever's blowing by me. wasn't God's heart, but I'm not going to fall for it because I got my eyes on the prize. And that is crossing the finish line and being with Jesus in eternity. Amen? You know, we, when we find ourselves anxious and worried, we can be assured at that moment, if you can catch yourself, you can be sure that for that moment, you've lost your God-centered direction. You've lost your mindset in that moment. How many have lost your mind before? I'm just kidding. <clears throat> it's like Peter, when the boat's going across the lake, they see Jesus walking on the water. Storm waves, there's Jesus just walking across the water. And Peter says, Lord, bid me to come to you. And, and Jesus says, come on. Peter gets out of the boat and starts walking. What does the word say? Because Peter started sinking. It says he took his eyes off Jesus and he looked to the storm. He looked to the wind. And that's when he began to sink. I'm telling you guys, the winds of adversity are going to blow. And I've been saying this, they're going to come hard. We're moving into a season where some hard winds are going to blow. But you keep your eyes on Jesus and you're going to be safe. You're going to be incredibly safe. Years ago, we had some friends that wanted to come see us. We lived in the Dalles. That's on the Columbia River. Beautiful. You've got to go all the way. It's, you take I-80. It's about 80 miles out of Portland going east. And, and you come to the town of the Dalles. And God just blessed us with a beautiful home above the river. We could see the Klickitats, Mount Hood, Mount Adams. I mean, we could. It was gorgeous what God just blessed us with. And we had some friends coming up to visit, but it was a stormy season. Now, in the Dalles, there was, a, there was kind of this joke that the wind blew 400 days out of the year. <laughs> I mean, it blew. Hood River is the mecca of the world for windsurfing. I mean, you go out there and be like hundreds and hundreds of windsurfers out there. Look like butterflies flitting on the water. A lot of them were in the water. Some were getting up out of the water. But it was beautiful because they were all different colors. And, but the crazy thing was is, it rained sideways and it snowed sideways. I, never, I don't think we ever saw the rain or snow come straight down. It blew. And, and it would snow three or four feet. It was common. We had some friends coming to visit us. It was wintertime. And I said, be careful because you'll be in Portland. It'll be freezing rain. And then you'll come up through the gorge and pretty soon you'll start hitting snow. And yeah, they're coming up in their little Honda car. And it started running. He called me from uh, Hood River and he said, he was Canadian. He says, hi, Mike. He says, 
don't know if we're going to make it or not. I said, what's going on, bud? He says, my car's running really terrible. There's so much water on the road, I feel like we're in a boat. <laughs> and, and maybe we'll end up there tomorrow or something. I said, oh, you'll be all right. Just keep going. Just let me know where you're at, because they were about maybe 40 miles away. I said, I'll keep an eye out for you. So anyhow, they finally made it, and their car's like, <coughs> pulls in the driveway, they shut it off. From the outside, the car looked fine. We go inside, get them all settled in. The next morning, we go outside, and we lift the hood to investigate. The good news was, there were still fluids in the car. The bad news was, they were in all the wrong places. <laughs> and I remember his wife made a comment, something about, well, it's time to have it towed. No, 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 and we ended up fixing it in the driveway, but it was a lot of work. But it could be said that in that moment, their car had lost its ability to separate what mattered and for what purpose. And here's the deal, guys. God intends for our heavenly mindset to, to mobilize us to act in faith while we're still here on earth. God wants us to be people of action. He doesn't want us to live stalled out lives because we've mixed up our purpose and we're sitting here waiting for the tow into eternity. Did you catch that? Say it again. God intends, Tony, for our heavenly mindset to mobilize us to act in faith. While we're still here on this planet, God has so much for us to do. He doesn't want us to live these stalled out lives because we've mixed up our purpose while we're waiting for the toe into eternity to come. Amen? Do I need to do that again? Clyde, are you okay? <laughs> this is why setting our heart on the things above are so important. This is why Paul says to us in Philippians chapter 4, thinking on the right things and practicing them brings the God of peace, the very presence of God into our lives. I, I can be around people for just a few moments and I can tell if they have that kind of relationship with Jesus, especially when you get into a counseling mode with someone. If they're in there and they're just, <laughs> first of all, we have a God problem. And they're in there, well, I need you to fix him or her or fix that or this. Whoa, 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 stop, 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 stop. Let's back up a little bit. We have a God problem here. Let's work on that first. Where are you getting all this perspective from? Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, notice this. This is, like, this is like a recipe for success. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. We, in our minds, we, it's hard for us to do this. You know, you, you meet those people that, yeah, my glass is half empty. And then you got that one going, no, it's half full. Woohoo! It's like, which is it? It depends on your perspective, right? Think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. God's word isn't static, guys. You will have to believe it and confess it, and most people do. They believe God's word, and they may even confess it, but very little action happens on it. So we are to believe God's word, we're to confess God's word, and we're to act on God's word. And when we act on it, that's when we see the God of peace coming and being with us. Many people, I believe, are, are missing the manifest presence of God in their lives because they have 
ungodly thinking. What I'm talking about is maybe not evil thinking, could be, but they're not thinking from heaven. They're thinking from earth, which this, if you practice that long enough, will eventually lead to ungodly practices, right? In fact, Paul says that a person, the way a person thinks is an indicator both of their salvation and their fruitfulness. Turn to Romans 8, verses 5 and 6. Those who live according to the, sin, to the sinful nature have their mindset on what the nature desires. So those that live according to the flesh have their minds set on fleshly desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. How many, how many times do we get in this place where it's all about me? Don't raise your hand. It's all about me. It's all about my list. It's all about my needs. I, I, know, I know Christians who have that kind of language. And here's what the word says. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their mind set on what the spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death. But the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. So the carnal-minded person only thinks about their desires. They only think about themselves. When we're just looking at this earthly plane as believers, all we think about typically is ourselves. The carnal person, that's who Paul calls them, they're carnal. They think about their own self. They, they may be spiritual, but they only want things of the spirit that bring satisfaction to themselves. I know that's hard to say, but it's true. A carnal-minded person, they may believe in God and they pray for things, but they usually use God as a means to just get what they want. It's kind of like God's my little genie in the bottle. Then I rub the little bottle, the genie comes out, and I say, God, would you fix my next-door neighbor? They got such a bad attitude. God, will you fix my wife, or will you fix my husband, or will you fix this? I can't stand him. I can't stand it. I can't. Ah. Do you understand what I'm saying? God, I'm so poor, I'm broke. Will you just fix my wallet? Will you make money just pour out of it? <laughs> there are people who pray along those lines. And, and the problem is, while they're praying God at things, they're missing the whole point. James 4.3 says, when you ask and you do not receive, it's because you ask with the wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Ouch. Again, when you ask you, and you do not receive, you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend on what you get <clears throat> on your own pleasures. However, a truly born-again believer desires what the Spirit of God desires. They're the ones whose minds and hearts are set on the things above. They ultimately, the goal and the cry of their heart is, God, let your will be done, not mine. This is really tough when it comes to miracles and signs and wonders. Like, you know, my wife's uncle, he's such a sweet guy, man. You just want to go, in the name of Jesus, rise up. That's my flesh. Can God do that? Absolutely. And, 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 and what we get to this point where we go, you know, God, I know we just want your will to be done. 
He's 93, he's lived a great, good, long life, and he's in such pain, he's so broken and shattered. So unless you fix him, God, would you bring peace on him? Would you bring peace on him? I have a good friend, Dax. I've shared with you a little bit about up in Canada. He's dying by all intents of cancer. He's only 40-some years old. He's got two beautiful children and a wife. And, but you li- watch his posts. They're amazing, amazing. He's always thinking about the other person. So he says, Father, I know I'm going to see you in a few moments. Can you take care of my children's broken hearts? Will you help them process? He just, he's just speaking his heart. A lot of times you can tell he's on meds. And a lot of times you've kind of got to read it a few times to get where he's kind of going with the post. But what a brother. He says, but God, you're bigger than all this. And I'm here in your presence. And I'm just lying here in your peace. Oh, my goodness. I just see him looking to heaven for everything. Man, what a testimony. Instead of whining and crying, I'm hurt, I'm in pain. Ah, poor me. Ah, why is this happening? I've never read that in any of us. I've never heard that come from him. He's gone to churches just sharing about how when he crosses into eternity, when he graduates into the next, how glorious it'll be. And he's encouraging others, keep your eye on the prize. Man, he has so got his mind and heart fixed on eternity. It's a mind blower. This doesn't mean, I wrote here, that we don't pray for our own desires. Jesus said, asks. Didn't Jesus say, ask? But here's what happens. It means we're not consumed with our own desires. Amen? The desires of the redeemed, that's us, should be and must become that of the Spirit of God. It's like, good morning, Holy Spirit. What do you want to do today? Where are we going? What adventures are we going to be on? Who are we going to have encounters with? When we get up in the morning, we're consumed with just, ugh, I got to get out of bed and go to work. I got to go work with that person. Cyril, you don't feel that way about me, do you? (laughs) (laughs) This guy's amazing. Oh, my goodness. Paul says in Romans 8, 6, "For for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. So the one who continually thinks on the desires of their sinful nature The word's really clear. It will bring fruits of death and destruction into and upon their lives. But the one who is consumed with the things of the Spirit, their life will bear fruit, and it will bear the fruit of peace and incredible life that emanates out of them in the form of Jesus to others around them. Jesus is our ultimate model. We need to look to Jesus. He he is our ultimate example of being heavenly-minded while we're still retaining some earthly goodness here on earth. While he was on earth, what did he do? He focused on the will of his Father and God's eternal purpose and God's eternal character so much that Jesus said in John 10, 30, I and and the Father are one. That's a bold statement. I and the Father are one. With this eternal perspective, I wrote, of who God is and God's greater purposes. Jesus sincerely loved all of those around him. When you look at Jesus, man, he took the time to have real conversations. He took the time to listen. He healed many, yes, but he endured through temptations and hardships, and he even gave his life for us as a ransom for the sins. And man, that allows us to have this gift of righteousness brought upon us so we can be in right standing with the Heavenly Father. That's why we can gaze into heaven with no shame. 
And God's looking back at us going, you got this. You got this. You know, there's many times in life where we get overrun. And right now is a season when there's a lot of stuff going on. And let's close with this. Turn to Psalms 121. This is David. Psalms 121. This is Psalms, a Psalm of David. I want you guys to write this on your heart. You could even put this on your refrigerator with a magnet. How's that sound? <clears throat> it says, I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. Mountains, Where does my help come from? It's a question. Because in the mountains and in the high regions is where the altars were built to the lower G gods. And he's saying, everyone looks to those little guys for help. I'm not looking there. He says, my help comes from the Lord. Amen. The maker of heaven and earth. He is the one who has made the mountains. He is the one who has created the heavens. David had to have marveled sitting out there. As a Can you imagine being a shepherd out there in the fields where there's no ambient light from other cities? In our, in our world today, there's so much ambient light at night from either, you know, cities and towns. It's hard to really see the stars. You have to really get out there on a remote mountain to see the stars. And on a clear, crystal clear night, you get to see what God set spinning into the heavens. How God created this huge, incredible backdrop that God created with all of the stars and everything up there spinning. David had to have seen that. He says, you are the maker of the mountains, God. You also created the heavens and everything up there spinning in it. He will not let your foot slip, verse 3. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. God is forever watching over you, and he's never sleeping. He's not. Remember that. God is always watching over you. He's always present. He's always there keeping an eye on you. And if you get into trouble, he will send the angels to rescue you. That's what God does. God is always watching. Mm. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. God is the one who has always guarded us, whether we're coming or going. But guys, at the end of the day, where is your perspective? What are you looking to in this moment? Are you looking to heaven? Are you looking to the world? You know, the world's telling us you've got to look to the world. The world has all the answers. Are you kidding me? <laughs> the world is messed up. The world needs God answers. And I'm telling you, those that are heavenly minded will bring the answers. I'm telling you, the ancient ways of Babylon, they're coming down. They're gone. They're, they, they don't work. They never did work. But God is reestablishing these ancient paths, and he's going to bring people that are heavenly minded that will bring forth these truths and these bits of wisdom and insight that will help us navigate waters in a whole new way. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Thank you for being here today. Um, there's a lot of people went out of town today and other places, and, and man, I just want to thank you for being here. I, I bless them that went out of town too. I think it's awesome to be able to get away, family and friends. But I want to thank you for coming today, and I just want to pray a blessing over you. So if you just bow your heads for a moment. Father, I want to thank you first by thanking you for Gabby's heart. 
So exciting, God. Father, I pray that we as a community can gather around her and others like her, other children in our community, our tribe here, God, and encourage them and keep them healthy and safe, God, as they navigate the waters in and around them, God. But Father, I pray for people today that are directionally challenged, that are struggling with where to keep my eye, or they feel like a chameleon. I got one eye on heaven, I got one eye here on earth, and my eyes are getting tired, and it doesn't work. So Father, help us to keep our eyes focused on you. Father, I pray that as we do that, as we look up and we see what you're doing, God, oh, you will radically alter our perspectives. You'll give us a hope. You'll fill us with dreams and visions uh, that come from your heart that will help us be those people in this community uh, mm, that bring forth godly answers to tough earthly problems. Thank you, God. Wow. Father, I just pray for safety over everyone here. I pray they have a great weekend. I pray that they would look for opportunities to see where you're working at, and they would go and they would co-labor there with you, God, to help see your kingdom advance. And Father, we just thank you now, and together we all said, amen. God bless you. Have a great weekend. No chairs. Wait, Sandy. Oh, oh man. Okay. One more, one more week of chairs. Sorry. If you just pick up a few more chairs, we got this.